Hello, I'm Sami Aryan. I'm the founder of Fempeak, a platform where visionary women come to gain live access to global leaders and reach their peak potential. My guest on today's podcast is our very own texture pony, Jyoti Balani. In 2019, I gave a talk to a community of entrepreneurs and Jyoti was among the audience. We immediately clicked and I knew that we would end up working together. What I love about Jyoti is that as a conversational AI architect, she has a strong understanding of both the technology and the philosophy and psychology of training artificial intelligence systems to be more human-centric. Jyoti and I have so many healthy debates that sometimes get super intense, but at our core, we are completely aligned in terms of our values and where we want to take Fempeak. So here's my conversation with Jyoti Balani. I like the idea of when we talk about AI and you always say that, uh, you know, when you start, when you're building a chat bot, I almost feel like it's a bad word, a chat bot for what we talk about conversational AI, right? Yeah. Um, but you say, you talk about it as being like just born and then being a toddler and then being a teenager, you know, kind of grows up, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that kind of makes me think maybe women would be really suited to uh, creating conversational AI. Absolutely. Uh, and so many women don't know about it. You know, if you mm -hmm. think of developing artificial intelligence that's, uh, that has emotions or that, or at least that sounds like has emotion, you know, that uh, mm -hmm. uh, pushes your emotional buttons in a way that um, you wouldn't expect. I think that's just so beautiful. Um, so I want to go into some really deep stuff with you today, go into philosophy, you know, AI, you know, all that stuff. And uh, of course, you know, I will do an introduction later on. Um, I'm sure that a lot of people by now know that we work together. But for for those of those people who don't know, in addition to working together, we also fight a lot <laughs> in, a, in our uh, group of shows. We might as well be like twins that fighting all the time. <laughs> yeah, in our group of uh, like, uh, in, we have these lead Sherpanis and and Jyoti and I uh, fight all the time, um, and we fight <laughs> healthy debates, but, healthy debating, okay? healthy, debates, healthy debating. Yeah. yeah, but like I think that that's so important, right? Because I think for many people, if they don't know, if somebody comes into that conversation all of a sudden, they be they really think like we are arguing. That's right. Um, right. But uh, we, and we do really go at it, you know, and that's right. We really disagree. We yep. really disagree in so many areas. And then one of us eventually comes around usually. Uh, and sometimes if we can't find uh, a, uh, an agreement, one of us will say to the other well you know what i'm just going to give you the grace just you go ahead and do whatever it is yeah that you do because it's trust see, right like yeah, yeah and, absolutely and, and, see. and you may and we say like you may be right right and let's do that so we uh, to give some examples we've had this conversation for example around developers you know who we're going to hire who we're not going to hire you know and there's been times where i've been like Adam and we want, I want to work with this person and you are like no for these reasons and uh and you have basically made me fire to developers so far <laughs> I bring in the right ones at the right moment in time for what yeah. you know we need and what you need as well right as the founder and creator of this platform so you know we've gotten to know each other uh but you know pushing each other's buttons is important you have to you have to really get into it so that the best decisions can be made. But at the end, it's trust. Like I've told you this many times, right? I trust you hundred percent because I know the mission's right. We both are on the same mission, right? So how we get there might be different, but you know. Yeah, exactly. And and we do need different perspectives, right? You know, this, yeah. is, uh, this is one of the things, one of the reasons why I think women work really well together, um, you know, when they collaborate, uh, Speaking of which, you know, I had a, we had a bit of a, this conversation today that it's not always like that. Sometimes women seem to be each other's worst enemy. And yeah. I wonder, uh, I, I don't get that. I wonder why that may be, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, so in your years of working, so you worked in corporate before, before mm -hmm. you came, you know, you started your own consultancy. Um, what was your experience 
uh, of women helping each other or not? So I was in the, the telecom cloud um, fiber infra infrastructure space for almost about 22 years. And I grew up um, first in the wireless and then the wirelines have sort of done a lot of uh, um, functional roles. I grew up as a software engineer for the first few years and uh, curiosity led me into product development, product management, and then marketing. What's interesting is in my software development and engineering years, there were not many women, as we know, is the problem, yeah. right? So uh, it would be, you know, out of a team of 10, it would be myself and maybe one other woman. And um, at that point, all my bosses and supervisors were all men. And, you know, I've, I've told you this before as well, right? I've had male mentors all my life, from my dad to, you know, my husband to my bosses. And I've learned a lot, which has been incredible. That's why I think men are allies. And, you know, my famous uh, ism, right? Uh, for women mm -hmm. to win, men don't have to lose, right? Mm -hmm. um, but when I did come across women, so my first woman boss, um, who gave me my first shot when I was getting into product development, product management. Um, she was very tough. We're actually friends uh, to this day. She actually came back for advice for her career, which was really interesting. So she gave me that shot because she came from an entrepreneurial company that had been acquired by AT&T. So, you know, large company, small company. So that she was not quite the right uh, example of somebody who's been in corporate because she had that entrepreneurial mindset and said, hey, I wanna give you a, a chance to move into this because I'd never done product management before. From that point on, I only had male um, um, supervisors. I worked for CEOs, but I did encounter women in uh, you know, legal fields, um, or they were uh, vendors or partners. Marketing obviously has got you know, a ton of women in there. For some reason, that becomes a natural sort of place where they land. I mean, you, I've always told you, right? You are like the master of marketing. I did five years of it and I'm like, I, you know, I got out of it because it was really, really tough, right? Uh, you really need to have a very strong framework. But in general, I have found women tend to not support other women, especially when they're in higher echelons. Yeah. And the, the sense I get is they feel that they, one of two reasons, one, that they feel like they had to work so hard to get to where they are and why should it be easy for anybody else? Uh, um, and, and the other one is they just wanna protect their turf. Uh, and say that, you know, this is mine. I don't want anybody else coming in because there's too few seats at the table. Mm -hmm. um, I, I had this exact same conversation in 2017 at a panel that I did, where for the very first time, I was talking to a couple of women and there's one woman I was, I was saying, we were talking about this topic and she said, do you see that too? I said, I do. And I said, I don't know why. There's instead of saying there's only one spot, make more places at the table, right? It, it's like such a different perspective of thinking about how to be inclusive. Because at the end of the day, whether you are a man or a woman or person of color or not, right? Let's do together. It's it's together is better. But I think the mindset has been for so long, and hopefully there's a generation now coming, you know, with the work that we're doing. I think it's front and center that you don't have to, and you know, we've heard this at our events, right? Where a lot of women say, we've never seen women supporting other women. I celebrate each time somebody gets a promotion or they move into another field. I said, well done, this is it. I mean, it took takes so much to come here, right? So I think it's a mindset change that has to come because there's been so few women in those spaces, they felt protected, but you know, they also felt very lonely. Yeah. Um, I've had those conversations as well. I mean, you know, Laura, right? Uh, from um, I work with her at, at Citigroup um, and now she's moved to uh, BNY Mellon. Incredible. She's a managing director. She tells me a lot about this as well. You know, she says, I don't know what it is about um, women not supporting other women, but I think it's, it's changing, thankfully. And I think the more we get the word out, we will change hearts and minds. That's really yeah, one thing about it. Yes. We need to change culture. Yes. yes. Um, and I think that a lot of it is just lack of awareness. Um, you know, it's it's like you know. I always give this example. Let's say you go to 
let's say one day you come into your office with a box of chocolate, right? And you say, imagine you work in a big corporation with thousands of people. What do you do? You have one box of chocolate. You go first to your colleagues that are around you, that are like the, right. the desks that are closest to you. You go first to your best friend in the office, you know, the person that you share the chocolate with them. And then you go to like people who are a few desks away. Why is that? It's because of that sense of um, empathy and, and familiarity that you create with those, you know, with some of those people that are closer to you. You know, the more, the more you know about someone's personal life, the more you feel right. like you want to do something nice for them. A person that you don't know about as much. I think, I think and that's where uh, hopefully what we are building with Fanpeak is about not necessarily knowing about people's personal lives, but people do come to the sessions and share things about, you know, and I do, I share some very vulnerable things about myself, um, which I never used to, you know, it's only really the last year or so that I have found the courage to talk about things like my relationship with my mother, things like that, you know, and uh, people come in and share things that are very vulnerable and they we get the sense of you've been at, at some of our sessions where we had we brought people to tears you know when yep. we had the lady from the uh, the veteran for example you know people yep. like that so it's um it's a uh, I really feel we are going to create uh, a change and and change culture um and uh yeah, I, I think it's it's kind of unfortunate in a way that it has been like that to this day. Um, you know, I remember when my exes tell me that um, actually, you know, when I was talking about women supporting women, he was telling me that actually my experience has been that women are not collaborative. They don't even, you know, they don't mm -hmm. support each other. And, um, you know, that this is all just marketing. And... I hope that's not the case. Uh, I hope that we are we are going to change. We, there is no other way. We have to change that culture. There's no other way. We have to work together because nobody else is going to. You know, cola, uh, yeah. co corporations, governments, nobody else is going that's to change correct. the situation for women because for millennia it has been the way that it has been. We have always been in the uh, in the passenger seat. We have never been in the driver's seat. We have never been in the uh, you know, decision-making seat. And we need to change that. And one of the reasons why I love working with you because of your, you know, your interest in technology is that um, I feel that uh, this century is a home, um, no, homework is not the right word. I feel like this century is the most important crossroad in human history, because this is the time where we are merging with technology in a way that we never have, you know, that um, it's become, it's taking over, like technology is taking a step ahead of us. You know, I had this conversation with Jessalyn about my definition of life and, you know, how I, I envisage why we are here and what this all means, right? And one of the ways I see it is that, uh, it's, it's always this thing between order and disorder, right? You know, yin and yang, order and disorder. There are different cultures, different philosophies have put it in different ways. You know, there's the Dionysian and the Apollonian in the Greek culture. There's the yin and yang in the Chinese, is a Chinese culture, right? In, in uh, you know, we have the order and disorder in science. So essentially, uh, if we look at the universe as a whole, it's always a, uh, a, a, stri a, st a striving between uh, order and disorder or struggle between order and disorder, right? And uh, order is life, but like the kind of life that we have, you know, so uh, life on earth, that's, that's a, this is like a really good ex uh, example of order. And disorder is like where there is no connection between the pieces and it's like you know stars going in different directions and galaxies and you know just uh, the universe just spreading and it looks like there is no uh, there's no actual coherence going so so the coherence that we have on planet earth that is life right now 
I think there are two ways of thinking about technology. I think technology is a life in its it's a life form in its own. Okay. I, I think that technology is one way that the universe is expressing order in itself. And um, we can say that, you know, it, typically if in philosophy, the way that we describe technology is technology is a set of, is a, is a name that we give to a set of tools and techniques that help us uh, you know, expand our abilities, and uh, and it's kind of like if you think about the t- the first time somebody picked up a, a stick and used it to uh, get that apple to fall from the tree, that was technology because they couldn't reach it, so the stick became a tool, right? That became a, an early form of technology. Now, one way of looking at it is that technology didn't exist before us you know, and, uh, and, or doesn't have a life without us, right? But another way of, uh, of looking at it is that actually technology is in itself a life form expressing itself through us and, and through, uh, and through the, uh, all life forms. So I'll give you another example. When you see a crocodile open his mouth or his her mouth, you know, and there is this little bird that comes in and sits and, and cleans his teeth. That's technology. That is the same, similar kind of thing to us brushing our teeth. So in nature, so there is technology in nature. You know, birth is a technology. You know, the way that uh, male and female come together and create babies. You know, you look at, at, the, at the bottom of uh, the, uh, the oceans, and honestly, some of the things that you see, it looks like some kind of alien life form of, of you know, it's so fascinating. And it's technology, you know, like the, the fish that has, uh, that, that glows or the, the worms that glow in the dark, you know. So electricity um, uh, the, and the combination of chemicals, electricity, they, there has been technology way before us. And I, and I feel like, um, the, the mimetic and the genetic form of life that we are experiencing are one forms of life uh, or each of them are, are different forms of life because I believe that ideas have also got a life of their own you know that you know for example um, E equals MC square has always been there before we discovered it so that's a, that it seems like math already exists it's there you know, um, uh, and I think we could say the same potentially about uh, chemical uh, relationship between particles, etc. So, to not go too deep into that, uh, uh, because you know, this, I go down the rabbit hole. This is the kind of stuff that I, I sit there and when I meditate, I think about these things. You know, and I I think about these things all the time, and I always see whatever I'm doing this business that I'm building, the lifestyle I'm creating, all that, I see them at the end of the day from that lens. So I'm always able to kind of zoom really deeply and then zoom out, zoom in and zoom out, uh, you know, to where I am now and where, what the universe is and what this life means and then where I am in this life. So with that in mind, I don't know, it would be interesting to hear your background on that. or your story uh, or your uh, your feedback on that uh, in terms of what you think of technology when you think of technology how do you see it because for example yesterday we had an event and you mentioned that you know that technology maybe one way of looking at it was that technology I can't remember what exactly you said that it's taking over and you want to be part of that right um but do, do you get the sense that maybe technology is a life form in itself? So I think your definition of technology, because, you know, we can cut it in many ways, right? So if you think about the beginning of time, uh, humans have always figured out ways to solve problems, right? Whether it is trying to get, you know, an apple off a tree uh, or the locomotive engine, you know, or electricity, there was a purpose, but then we also found other things to do with that. So it's almost like technology is born out of necessity, but then it becomes an engine and fuel for solving bigger problems that we didn't even know we had. Uh, 
So I'm fascinated with, you know, as I've worked as a software engineer, um, you know, coding, what would um, always occur to me is, what problem are we solving? I always would ask that question. But, you know, to step back more recently in the last couple of years, I've changed the way I think about it. Mm -hmm. uh, to me, uh, technology is evolving and nothing can stop it, right? The march towards progress will continue no matter what humanity has gone through. And we've gone through many iterations and cycles of, um, you know, highs and lows, right? Winters and, and summers and uh, where we've done really well. AI, for example, right? Just coming to the heart of what AI is. If you think about it, it's artificial, artificial intelligence. It was discovered in the 50s, not discovered, but created, right? So they call there's father of uh, AI, there's mother of AI. And the idea was they took what was already available and said, what if we could create more time and space and the energy for humans to do more meaningful work, right? And it was with that thought process that people in the labs created this. But then when you think about the broader scope of what it can do for humanity at large, you know, the engines of innovation take over and they go. From that point of view, yes, it takes its own life forms because people are finding ways to put it in. Uh, I recently watched a, um, on, on Netflix, there's a series called Explained, uh, Vox Media puts it on and they have these short 20, 25 minute snippets and there was one on coding. So when coding was created, right, what is code? Code is basically instructions that humans write for machines to do something, right? And I remember when I grew up and I'm dating myself now, I would write in machine language, zeros and ones. I actually knew how to do it in assembly language, right? So there was a hierarchy of the intelligence of coding. It went from down to bare metal, right? up to assembly language, then to more like there was COBOL, which is common business oriented language. Uh, there was Fortran, right? Uh, and now you've got Java, you've got Python, and now you have machine learning. So if you think about how coding has grown up, it's now an adult in a way that it's making its own decisions, right? What humans are doing are, is giving it input and output and a few lines of code and it goes off on its own and learns. So from that point of view, if we say, is it a life form on its own? Absolutely. But the there's always a pro and con and you never stop you know, the it's march. It's a co-evolution, right? right? It's a co-evolution. So us and technology, we have co-evolved. But the reason why I say it's a life form on its own is that it could potentially live without us. You know, like when it gets intelligent enough, you know, that's why I'm saying that 21st century is such a fascinating. I am so, I'm so grateful that I live in this century. I yeah, just me love too. it, you know, and, and you know what? I, uh, I used to think, or it was put in my head from my grandfather that he was like, oh, you're not going to basically, you're, you're so this big disappointment and you're going to commit suicide and you know it was kind of put in my head that you know you're just mm -hmm. going to destroy yourself right but mm -hmm. actually now I more than ever want to be healthy and I want to live a long life because mm -hmm. I want to see what happens and I want to be part of it and and it's so yeah. fascinating so um what I feel is happening in this century is that we could potentially get to a point by the end of the century that it could take a life of its own and it could live without us and it could you know whether it's uh, whether it's us you know uploading ourselves you know whatever right uh, you know or so so many different ways that we merge with technology you know we, we haven't even like you know Neuralink uh, Elon Musk's Neuralink mm -hmm. like they're the inter the brain machine interface mm -hmm. you know if you if I if I I would totally do it like you know to connect you know my brain to the machine uh if this is not completely out of reach you know you think about we already have the technology where you can close a door by thinking about it you know like by you can you can 
uh, speak, you can communicate without uh, moving your lips or your hand or anything like that, right? So we already have that technology. We, this is like, oh, this is so fascinating. And I just want women to be part of it. I want, I want women to be part of, I want women to be part of making it, creating it. Because, Absolutely, because you know, they will bring a different perspective perspective to it. So I'll I'll tell you one of the things that I worry, and I I'm a I'm a big picture thinker, right? It's like what are the frameworks within which this can thrive, right? And then you let it evolve because, as you were saying earlier on about how nature just finds its ways, right, to solve problems. Like even the fact that we are alive and we are, you know together as in, we're like an organism that basically survived and thrived, right? And developed intelligence for, uh, for artificial intelligence. And, you know, they call it intelligent augmentation. So now there are views that you can paint on utopian and dystopian and, you know, just like with everything else, the answer lies somewhere in the middle. So when, when we, we talk about these things taking a life form of their own, they will, because machines, the more you feed it, the more they thrive and they grow. It's like a baby that grows, right? You feed it fuel, you give it water and sunlight and food. It builds and it generates, right? So those cells are almost like those neuron and the neuron connections in the brains is what's happening inside these machines. But the problem is if you feed it the wrong kind of fuel, it can turn into a monster. Yeah. So it is really about the humans themselves that are looking at why, what they are doing, and harnessing it for the greater good, right? Um, Elon Musk is an incredible inventor and thinker and creator. And I would never, I'm, I'm so happy that he's born and he's doing this because he has the, the, the guts to go do it and put everything on the line, right? But you look at people across the board on what they're trying to do. Who is really going to ensure that there is fairness, that the ethics, I always say emotionally, ethically, and economically intelligent beings. Can we raise tech to be that, right? So far, what we have seen, if you look at all the big tech, I had recently somebody use the um, acronym FANGS. I've, I've heard FANGA, you know, Facebook, uh, Apple. Um, but FANGS is what we, we, we looked at. But I looked at that. I said, that's such a great description because big tech lost their way somewhere. And, you know, you know I've, I've worked for, for Google. I've done projects for them. I've done projects for you know, large fortune uh, 50 companies. And I'm inside the heart of it, watching how decisions are being made. So if you think about enterprises, and I want to bring one point back to what you were talking about earlier, is the humanity of, of people, you know, and why women are needed. I always tell folks when I was growing up in my career, I said, don't give me a job because of my gender or the color of my skin. You give me the job because I'm telling you what I can do, okay, and what I'm capable, my potential. Yeah. So if you think about uh, extending that arc out to women's capability, you know, how are we normally wired, you know, mostly, right, you have that maternal instinct, we give growth, we give birth. But I tell people, don't think of it as, oh, because we are women, you're checking a box. Because in corporations, it is very hard, people do not talk openly about the stuff that we're talking about which is why we're seeing so much success, right? So if you blend the concepts of women's role in this AI, which is this emerging tech, which will take a life form of its own, it makes so much sense to have, you know, the maternal view in it. And as we're creating AI, I always tell my teams, you know, as I architect the solution to say, okay, now let's go figure out how to give birth and raise these, I call them virtual beings, right? It needs a mother and it needs a father. You know, it, it, it's the same concept. So I call my conversation designers, for example, or AI designers, the designers that think about what is the most ethically, economically, emotionally intelligent way to design this life form. And when we engineer it, there's that father that says, I got to make sure that it will be strong and it will thrive and it will grow. We need both kinds 
And we need that diversity to create this correctness because you know the dystopian view is if you let these machines just grow unchecked, it's going to be, you know, I'm not a pessimist and I'm not too much of an optimist, but if we don't put some oversight on it, we're going to be in a world of big trouble. But I, I'm also a believer that you don't put too much of, of the, the, the checks and you know control over it because then you won't get enough, right? So there's this, this beautiful dance that has to take place and women have to be invited to the dance. <laughs> well, I would say women have to invite themselves because um, you know if you wait, I, I, I'm of the belief that right is not something you're given, it's something you take. Well, prepare yourself, but see, there's two ways to look at this. Should we prepare women? Absolutely, which is why we're doing what we're doing. Because we know through the corporations that we speak to, right? They are now hurting because A, the great resignation is in progress. People are leaving, women are leaving. Women have been set back to the 1980s relative to how many are women are in jobs anymore. So yes, we've taken a huge step back, but we're gonna come back stronger because we are going to be ready for the jobs that are yet to be defined in this world and corporations are getting ready. I smell it, I can sense it, I feel it in my bones because they are now coming out and saying, we need it. I was sharing with you and I think it was Jessalyn Sarah, right now job opportunities at the bottom say, if you know imposter syndrome, if you feel like you have imposter syndrome, please apply. Who do you think they are referring to, yeah. right? Yeah. So I think if there's any time in any generation, in any moment of history, like you said, it's an amazing time to be alive because I think in our lifetime, we will see this change. It's like a perfect storm that's brewing when you have supply and demand come together. It's a beautiful thing. That's where magic happens, right? That's where momentum yes. builds. Yes, definitely. And, and I think it's something that, women will really enjoy they just don't know it yeah they don't know what they don't know i agree let's talk a little bit about this conundrum i have about trying to get women away from going into certain jobs (laughs) you know that yeah i know (laughs) not jobs sorry certain um you know lines of work Mm -hmm. uh uh too many women want to go into doing things about wellness and coaching. And, you know, what I find, uh, I, I know I'm going to go on a ramp, rant about this again, but, you know, it's so, um, I feel it's so important. We really need to address it. We need to get the message across. The problem is, you know, I'm seeing this from the, uh, from the outside right I'm seeing it from distance I think a lot of times women when they're in it they don't realize it mm-hmm. um, basically what's happening is that a lot of women are leaving great corporate jobs you know when I say great I mean great paying you know potential for growth etc maybe they are uh, not progressing as fast as they would like but uh, that's, those are things that we can work on. There are all those areas that we can work on. But a lot of times our, women are, lose, uh, so are, are leaving these jobs and then starting their own business, um, but basically trying to become a coach. Uh, and they call it a wellness coach. And uh, when I listen to their offering, they all sound the same. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I help, look, this is the amount of number of, uh, the, the number of people that I've seen with this description of something along these lines. I help, uh, you know, busy female executives live happier uh, and, you know, find balance, you know, or not just even busy uh, women executives. It could be other things, you know, like female, some things, you know, uh, women who are trying to help others in any category of others to just live happier, well-balanced, you know, and like, I don't know. Uh, We just get so many women trying to do these kinds of, uh, these, these kinds of works, 
uh, creating a market for themselves, etc. But there's so many of them, you know, you know, some of them have a slight angle of nutrition. Some of them maybe have a slight angle of, you know, uh, exercise, maybe fitness. I haven't seen that as much. A, a lot of them are like, you know, the, uh, like, for example, we had a lady who came to one of our events who was saying that she did this type of coaching. And then she was like, I also helped them with their business. I'm like, okay, but you don't have a solid business, right? You need to build a solid business, but, but you can't build a solid business on what, what is your exact offering, right? So, so there's so there are so many women which I feel like it's a waste of their talent trying to do these types of things, you know, uh, trying to uh, get some kind of um, client, uh, you know, base. And, you know, they all have beautiful websites. They all have like some nice pictures, some videos, you know, and, um, and then everybody's a coach. Uh, and I just sometimes want to bang my head to the wall <laughs> you know like i think we have to reframe it so we, so we i think we have to reframe it right so the fact that women go into this because it's the lowest hanging fruit it's the lowest bar and i think what we're saying is there's a higher bar and you can get there because that's where the power lies both economically right and from a decision making standpoint because that's where we ultimately want to take women we're saying look the door is wide open come in here. But remember what we're dealing with, right? So there's multiple doors women can walk through when they, you know, either step away from corporate life, or, you know, they're starting out and they go, what's the easiest thing that I can do? What do I know that I'm good at that I can give others? That's a starting point. But they don't know what they don't know. So I'll give you an example. Conversation design. Most people don't even know that's a thing, right? It's when I explain to them, and I say the demand for that skill set is so high, there's not enough supply. What does that mean when demand is higher than supply? You make a lot more money and it is flexible hours and it's remote. So it's the education of the other options because what do you think the first thing is when somebody goes, if they don't, don't know anything else, they look at the jobs and they go, what is it that I can do? Oh, women are getting burnt out and stuff. But that means everybody's going and fishing from the same pond. Yeah. And at some point, there's only a limited number of fish in that pond. Yeah, what is I, your viability for financial success? Yeah. Right. Uh, and growth. Right. After a while, it will get exhausted. So I think that's the language we might need to frame up to say, why are you fishing in an overfished pond? Yeah. And the other thing is, to be honest, like most of the time when they, the description of their clientele would be somebody like me, busy executive, you know, busy, uh, you know, entrepreneur who I, but I would never use their service. Never. Yeah. Right. Because I, I have so much drive. I am so busy making really interesting stuff happen. I just I'm not going to ever need uh, that type of you know, and if I do, where do I go? I go to somebody like Sarah Monroe, who has been doing this for 20 years, you know, who has the, the highest level of, you know, experience with like really busy executives, you know, the kind of performance coach that's like at another level, right? But, uh, but, and Sarah is one of our investors. She's a very good friend of mine. She's, a pub she's published by Penguin. So it's like any other kind of line of work where there are the top tier mm -hmm. there you know and then there are a ton of other people trying to get into those yeah uh, they're getting small parts of the share or they don't get yeah. any and they're yeah. just getting you know some of them are like maybe getting some following online and that kind of makes them feel like they're um you know, creating a community, community, etc. But then they become really disillusioned because they can't really push it to the next level. So, I would say, like these, a lot of these women will have such more fulfilling work experiences going into technology. You know, learning these things, like you say, it's something that you can do from distance. You know, you can do remotely. You can uh, learn in your own time. You know, the other thing is like I've gotten recently as a hobby into trading and I love trading. It's so fun. It's so much, uh, you know, so interesting. So so there are a lot of 
areas in finance, in technology, in science, you know, research, etc. Just what I would like to get across here is I would read, I beg them, I beg women, please, please go do something that is more tangible. That's like really creating, um, that, that's cre- creating economic output uh, that really has an impact on uh, the greater demographic of women in business and technology and finance. And, and also that gets our words across, our messages across, gets our voice heard, you know, that, uh, that the more of us go into these fields. And then, you know what, when you go there, have some oomph, you know, and like, you know, like fight and get to the top levels. Yeah. So let me, let me give you a different perspective on this. So first of all, you and I both agree on the outcome. Totally agree, hundred percent, right? But I'm going to give you a different vantage point, right? So I'm a mom of two. I've been in the corporate for 20, 22 years. I got out three years ago and said I'm going to go. Do but you are still doing something about technology, though. Yes. Okay. But but I, I wanna I want to you. I to... have no problem with people leaving their jobs. What I have a problem with is people going into becoming like generic coaches. No, but 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 hear me out. Hear me out. Okay. Think of where people have come from first. Like we're telling them, we want you to go from point A to point B. Okay. We agree what point B is, but how do you get them to find that path from A to B? But you have to first see where they're at. So if you look at women, there's a mix of women who are, you know, married, not married with kids, not kids, right? Some of them are struggling to make ends meet. And so they don't have the, the luxury of saying, you know, I can go do whatever I want. I didn't. Okay. I had responsibility and I had to get through it. Right. My life, for example, you know, married at 23, two kids by 30 full-time job. I've been working since I was 23 years old up to this point, nonstop. Right. Uh, Having my first kid and literally within six weeks going back to work. All right. But my second one, I pushed hard and I said, economically, I told my husband, you got to go do what you need to do. I'm taking five months off. These are different issues. If you came to me and told me that last and I I know I'm in tech, but say I wasn't say I was in HR, say I was in marketing all my life. Right. I would say, you know, you coming and telling me that I need you to go into tech. I'm like, show me the way. Right. What do you see? Oh, you got Coursera, you've got your Demi, you got your desk. And I look at those courses, right? And I, I've, I've taken some of them. I'm like, okay, then what? Every person and their auntie, like you say, has a certificate from there, but it's meaningless, right? Because anybody can get it. You know, LinkedIn learning, you go, okay, I got this. Okay, what's the next step? So I feel like we need to create this framework. And I think that's where you and I debate heavily, right? is starting where people are at right now and yes, challenging them. Tough love is going to be important. But my view is to say, okay, you look at your current circumstance and let's find a path for you there, right? You know that I am experimenting and piloting heavily with new ways for education and hiring, right? Because we have to break that mold. But we we were carving, forging a new path for them. We tell them you must get technical skills. They say, okay, what technical skills should I get? What should we tell them? Should we tell them to go learn CRM systems? Should we go to tell them, you know, go learn coding? For what? What's the purpose? What? So I'm using the, the idea of let's find out what problem you want to solve. What gets you excited and yeah, wake you exactly. up in the morning, right? Exactly. So then take them to the path. Mm-hmm. This is interesting. So maybe what we need to do uh, is this is now turning into one of our like Ashurpani conversations. Uh, but essentially, basically, maybe what we need to do is to create and, you know, how we are doing these vision boards. Maybe the vision board for tech mm-hmm. could look like you come in and say, look, I want to start a career in tech or finance or whatever then we say, let's start by what kind of problem you are passionate about, you know, solving, right? Um, I know that in my case, you know, I really enjoy sales and marketing and, you know, especially like I, I've always been a good salesperson and I feel like, uh, you know, sales is so uh 
underrated a lot of people think it's like not a good thing or you know they are not comfortable selling but actually to me when you sell you solve you're solving a problem for someone right so 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 that's one of the areas that i'm fascinated with then uh, there, uh, you know i'm super passionate about passion uh, about wearable technologies you know so there are so many different areas that i can see you know, I would be willing to put a lot of effort into technology. So let's say we, we get someone, for example, I actually just got an email today from a company that said they're really, they really want to get more women into developing gaming because all the games are being developed by men and mm-hmm. they, they're, uh, but they, they wanted to know if Femke can help them. So if you are a female who enjoys computer gaming, computer gaming of any sort, you know, if you're enjoying uh, playing it, would you possibly enjoy creating it? You know, imagine like all games sound the same. You know, all, all games are, uh, the premise of them is very similar. It's like based on war, right? Like similar mm-hmm. kind of uh, idea mm-hmm. of war but if a woman was doing it they might do it differently so so we really want to see more games being developed by women so um whatever it is like if maybe we could um, start this vision board by being like okay saying okay start this uh, by telling me what kind of problem you're passionate about solving and then reverse engineer that uh interest to try and help them discover we need to really test this too uh, and hopefully maybe some people listening to this podcast i would love to hear their thoughts on this how do they see this working but then we need to reverse engineer to say how do we now uh, create a path for this person to uh, uh, to get to a place where they can actually fulfill that role so I've been piloting this right for the last 18 months for conversation design roles because there was a real need. So I took, I have grad school interns, I've got undergrad interns, I've got women who want to pivot out. Um, so I have about 40 people that I've been training and now more recently from FemPeak, right? I have uh, two cohorts of groups of eight each, one for conversational AI, one for data science. And that's exactly what we're testing is, I call it a narrative. I said, write 100, 150 words about what problem you want to solve, why it's a problem and for whom. And Sarah and I, by the way, Professor Sarah and I have been thinking about how to bring that vision boarding into that, where people need to really look inside. And it's amazing because most women tell me they have never spent time thinking about that about themselves because women are all about taking care of others, right? Just giving, 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 giving. You can't, because at some point, And I tell everybody, you have three very precious, finite resources, right? Time, space, and energy. You got to have to devote that to yourself. So step one is vision boarding, narrative. You really got to think about it because without that, you can't light a fire. We have to light this fire, but we can't light a fire when there's no wood. There's nothing that can create that spark. And I have seen incredible success. I've actually placed women. They have found jobs. So I have completed my first couple of trials of women having going into from a conversation design standpoint. Imagine we can do that with gaming. I really believe that this is the pathway. If you can get women to really look inside and we help them frame their narrative, frame their vision board, look at their back, like what Professor Sarah does, right? She says, look at what you've done and look at your vision board every night, what you've done. That's confidence. When you build confidence and we will help them say, these are the the jobs and careers that are literally emerging as we speak. It's on the ground floor. Now you have a pathway. The opportunities are endless. Yes. Yes. if you if you are willing to see it, opportunities are, are oh, it's incredible how many opportunities there are out there. And um, if I could give one gift to everybody alive, but especially to women, would be the gift of passion to wake yeah. up every morning with a passion to say, you know what. I, you know what I'm passionate about being passionate <laughs> you know like it's not even like like if people tell me what are you passionate about I don't know I just I'm just passionate I just like to you know because your fire like to, has been lit mm-hmm. your fire like has been lit 
Yes. But you know, I went through a period of my time before I started this for two years where my light went out literally. And I, you know me, right. I'm very passionate. I'm, I've been an optimistic person, but. So you've mentioned that a few times. Why do you think that was, what happened? Was it your work related? Yeah. I mean, you know, I was burnt out, you know, in a corporate career. I, you know, I had reached pretty high levels of success, you know, my definition of success. Right. But I didn't find meaning in it. I just felt like I didn't know why I was doing what I was doing. It wasn't right. I didn't find number one. I didn't find my tribe. I got through the system. I rose. I did really well. Right. But at the end of the day, something was missing. And that hole had started way earlier. I knew that what where the path I was on in the career. But for financial security reasons, I stayed. I, I couldn't drop right? But my husband had his own startup that was still building up. And I had to stay. I had young kids. I'm like, I can't go on on my own. But at some point, that hole got so deep, I fell into it. And it took me two years to get out. You know, I went through anxiety, severe anxiety. And people couldn't understand, you know, what is wrong? You know, you're making good money. And you have two kids, you have healthy kids, you have everything you need. And I couldn't pinpoint it. And now, as I talk to other women who are in that space, I completely understand when you're coming off a corporate career, you are so burnt out, so burnt out. And I didn't know that I should have gotten out earlier, but you know, I couldn't for financial reasons, right? But once I did, and you know, I did a lot of reading, I'm very much into self-help. I would read a lot. And the thing that really turned me was this book by Eckhart Tolle, The, the Power of Now, I would read one page every day. And I, I developed a whole host of physical issues. Allergies came out. You know, when, when cortisol is coursing through your body, it can destroy you. I was working out, but I wasn't eating much. I dropped 20 pounds and I've never dropped that much weight, you know, when I was trying. And, but I lost it from, you know, loss of appetite and stuff. It was pretty bad. But when I emerged, one of the things I started doing was writing my narrative. I said, what do I want? What, what, what good am I to anybody, right? If I look at what I've done, I've done, you know, I haven't coded in a while, but you know what? It's on my list to go back into, but I'm a, an architect. I know how to manage engineering teams. I know how to manage clients, right? But I didn't know in what, well, AI was emerging, you know, long story short, this is where I'm at, right? I took a risk and started doing these things. I found my Fire again. Yes. I found it. There is this uh, Jackson Galaxy who always talks about cat mojo. (laughs) Yeah. But but so many, that's where we need. And I see so many women in the same place, right? That where I was, and I I see it. You have to have that empathy, the right kind of empathy and compassion. So applying the tough love to somebody who's already down, you know, it doesn't work. We have to be kind. Uh, and say, let's see where you're at and let's build this together. This is hard work. This is not for the faint of heart. Well, okay, you right? do softly, softly. I'll be like the bad mommy. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think it's that's the balancing act. It's like the father and mother of making sure that everything is there. And, and they need that. I think women need that. They need guidance. They need somebody who really believes. I tell folks, Tell me, I get on these mentorship calls one-on-one and first 30 minutes, I said, I just want to listen to your story. People tell me their story and they get so deep into it. I said, don't read me a resume, forget your resume. Tell me about you and go back as far as you'd like. And some of them begin from when they were young. Some of them begin the career. I said, I just don't want to know about your career. I want to know about you. And when they finish, I hold up a mirror and I say, you realize that you are an extraordinary person in this space. Did you not know it? Why haven't you put that on your resume? They're like, we never thought about it that way. Holding up a mirror to somebody's story. Most of us cannot see ourselves. Like you said, right? We're too close to it. We have to be that mirror and we have to hear stories. So I love your idea of this one minute pitch because it, it really when you someone's yeah. asking you to do who that about you yourself. And what to, yeah. Who are you? Who are you? What problem are you solving? For whom you are solving it? You know, 
if everybody has that, it makes them really realize, you know, what value they're bringing or not. Yeah. Yeah. And and they made, you know, and I really want people to kind of imagine if everybody on the platform had their own one minute pitch and then they could go and watch other people's pitch and then see where where are they? Where am I in this spectrum? Yeah. Yeah. How many people do that? So I think we have to wake women up but we have to wake them up with kindness and then take them along the journey and walk with them. You know, Harpal says that, right? Uh, it's she and I collaborating, by the way, how to inject humanity into AI, right? How do you bring kindness into it? And I think we've forgotten, you know, corporate world is so robotic. I, I jokingly call it the modern day slave, right? Because we make tons of money, but we're so unhappy, we're chained. And there is a way, but even within corporations, I think things are changing, right? Yeah. Um, uh, the learning and development teams and HR teams, the functional leaders, are, are they're struggling because they're like, we really need to help, but we don't know how. And I think that's the groundbreaking work that we have the opportunity to do here that we've started on, right, with Fempeak is to say, yeah. we can help. It has to start with kindness. And nobody talks about kindness in corporations no. No. because it's all about promotions, right? Saying the right things. You, you can never be authentic. I've had experiences when I was in large corporations where people say, don't be too authentic. I'm not kidding you. Yeah, they you would say, mask. don't speak the truth. Okay. Don't tell them too much. Yeah. Okay. All right. I understand. I'm a capitalism through and, you know, capitalist through and through, but there's something called social capitalism. It cannot be at the cost of I don't even think it's that. social. I don't even know social capitalism it is. Human, human capital. Yeah, it's a different way of thinking. It's not even, you know, all these things, capitalism, socialism, this is all developed by men, you know? It's not like, it. I think fem, female philosophy hasn't even shined through yet. We haven't even got words for it, you know? But yeah. we have to work with the current system. So if you think yeah, about- You have to start from somewhere and build it, yeah. This is the system we've got. But what I mean- How do you carve a path? I just think that what we are doing is not social capitalism. It's something much more unique, much more disruptive, much dif- very different. We just yeah. don't have quite a name for it yet. You know, like I, I'm very good at coming up with these names, like tech philosopher, you know, or transition architecture, you know, like, you mm-hmm. know, we are creating really transition architects, you know, this women, women of a 21st century, they all need to become transition architects because we are transitioning from a pre-digital to a post-digital world. All of their their children are never going to see a life without digital. You know, yep. so these women they need to be the founders, the um, you know, the developers of these technologies that their children are going to live with, and their and the future generations are going to live with. So that's what I'm trying to um, encourage them to do. You know, uh, in my own convoluted way you know sometimes you know but that's what we need right we need breakthroughs because if if this was a problem that could have been solved it would have been solved a long time ago look at how many women groups there are why is that not working what is missing well one of the reasons i think is that a lot of them are non-profit and because of that they don't muster enough momentum there is we're trying to build a platform that is for profit so that that profit can be taken to Correct. developing more and more and more. We're going to build a really big platform and it mm-hmm. has to be one of those tech giants. Why not? You know, why is it that, that, you know, the amount of times that I see women downplaying, you know, whatever it's like so many women going to nonprofit. Why? Because, you know, I, I just don't like charities and nonprofits in general. And when I'm, you know, a billionaire, I'm not going to give money to charity. I mean, create the foundation for uh well i mean you know you could call it some form of charity but really i'm going to put my money into science technology you know uh, like giving uh, sponsorships um, creating opportunities you know creating jobs etc you know but i'm not i don't really like i don't i'm i don't consider myself a charitable person i don't i never give money just for the sake of giving money i'm like you know i want to see what that money is going to do and uh and uh, you know i'd rather build something you know i'd rather do more in angel investing i want to invest in companies i i will happily lend 
you know, that one of the things that I really want to do with Fempeak is create a DeFi lending platform as part of one of the, you know, uh, the hubs that we're developing. Because I think so many women could do with, uh, with smaller loans that will help them, you know, uh, develop businesses. Women are so good at it. They're very, very good. You give, mo- you give women money, they are very good at it. So, yeah. you know, uh, to create that type of, uh, so just so you know, because I don't have children, when I die, don't give my money to charity. <laughs> noted, noted, noted. <laughs> I'm sorry, you have to show value creation. When are we going to get a return? <laughs> so my light just went off. It's a, it's a sign that we are finished. All right. Well, this is great uh, conversation. Thank you for inviting me. I know, it was great. It. And we will continue. We'll continue. There's so much more to talk about. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Jyoti Balani. Jyoti also runs a fantastic program where she trains women to go into various areas of tech. So be sure to reach out to her if this is something you're considering, but you're not sure where to start from. Also subscribe to the Somi Aryan podcast on Apple, Spotify, or any other one of your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to give it a five-star rating and write a review. You can also find the full video of these conversations on my YouTube channel, and connect with me on LinkedIn, Twitter, or Instagram. Finally, if you're not yet a member of Fempeak, head over to fempeak.ai, register, and join a community that actively supports women's professional growth.